1: can get a beer with start your engine
2: it's the nick d podcast
3: all right all right all right it is the nick d podcast how's it going i'm your host nick digilio welcome it's episode 173 it's a friday hope everybody's gonna have a great weekend I am Nick DiGiulio, your host. It's the Nick D Podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, the best podcast network in the world. We are loaded with great podcasts, incredible music, unheard bands, and you can hear it all live streaming 24-7. you got to check this out. Radiomisfits.live. It's a 24-hour streaming service. It's just like radio, only it's a lot cooler. Loaded with unheard signed bands, fantastic music, and some of the best episodes of the podcast available at Radio Misfits that you'll ever find. You can hear this podcast, the Nick D Podcast, every day at 3 p.m. Central. You can hear my Saturday Night Live podcast, the other one that I host. That show hasn't been funny in years, an SNL podcast, every day at 9 a.m. Central, and then tons of other great episodes. Live streaming 24-7. It's like radio, only cooler. Radiomisfits.live. Be a part of Radiomisfits.com. Hey, be a sponsor of this podcast. You can advertise right here on this podcast. The Nick D Podcast. You'll reach a lot of people. Contact us. Say, I have something I would like to advertise. You're going to hear some advertisement coming up right here on this episode. And, uh, and we're very happy to do it and very happy to have some sponsors now and some people advertising with us. We want you to do the same. It'll help you out. Sales at radiomisfits.com. You want to be a part of the Nick D podcast just in general? Leave a voicemail. We have a voicemail system that's open 24-7. We want to hear from you. We want to hear from your, uh, your thoughts, your uh, contributions, your questions, anything you want to leave on that voicemail system. you got a megaphone request you want. 773 417 6948. Leave those messages now. You can drop us an email anytime you want. Anything you want to talk about, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, yes, and yeah, please uh, rate and review all of our podcasts. Rate and review this one. Share it with your friends. Like, share, all that cool stuff. Let people know how great this podcast is and, uh, and, uh, and share it and like it. Jason Skaggs does all the music and the sounds and the themes and the weirdness. And Ed does everything else. He's the main man. And you listen and you have fun and you participate and coming up on this podcast. Eric Childress and C. Procopi join me for the every other week movie review segment. Uh it's odd because there's a big, big Denzel Washington movie that opens this weekend. And they wouldn't screen it for us. That tells you something. It's the third of the Equalizer movies. So uh we'll talk about it. We can't review it because we haven't seen it, because of course they didn't review it. They didn't give it they didn't screen it for the critics. That's not a good sign. Listen, when we get to see a movie about sloths killing sorority girls and they hide a Denzel Washington movie from us, that's not really fucking good. That's not a good sign. But we got other movies to talk about, some good ones and some weird ones and a lot of movie stuff in general to talk about. So Eric Children, Steve Procopi are going to join me. We're going to talk movies. My great friend, Esmeralda Leon, she's my partner on this podcast. We're going to get together and hang out and bat a bunch of stuff off of each other, including weird celebrity rumors. We've got a magic megaphone request we're going to do, and much, much more. Always a great time to have Esmeralda, and we want to hear from you. Again, that phone number, if you want to leave a voicemail message, it's 773-417-6948. So, uh, it is the weekend. Yeah, yeah, and I'm actually, I'm gonna, tonight, I'm going to see Duran Duran in Chic. I'm very excited about it. I'm old man. I'm I'm 58. So Duran Duran, you know, I'm right number. I'm the right age. I'm very excited. I'm going to see Duran Duran tonight. So that's very exciting. So that's what I'm doing this weekend. What are you doing this weekend? Let us know. Leave your comments. Hey, by the way, on the next episode on Tuesday, the next episode that we tape is going to be our For the People episode. That means our car expert, Tom Appel, is going to be here, and our consumer guy, Herb Weisbaum, is going to be here. If you have a consumer-related concern or question, if you have a car-related concern or question, leave those questions, too. Email us, and we will ask them to Tom and to Herb on next Tuesday's show. NickDPodcast at gmail.com. Again, use that phone number, 773-417-6948. For uh, any other comments that you want or questions for Tom and Herb for the people. That's our next episode, and that'll be on uh, Tuesday.
1: Hi, so I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. I
3: know you do, baby. Carrie Russell's here. She's great. Hi, I'm
1: Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show.
3: So lots of great stuff coming up here on the podcast. Eric and Steve with the movie reviews are coming up next. But hey there. Are you tired of that same old, the same old stories? Well, buckle up because Brian Alaspas Devoured, yeah, that's right, Brian Alaspas Devoured, is about to take you on a wild ride. St. Louis is teetering on the edge with riots, unrest, and the mayor's downright stubborn insistence that the 4th of July must go on, but don't tell that to public safety manager Logan Field. He's got problems bigger than the most overcooked barbecue. With a deadly attack, a missing boy, and mysterious events that make your Aunt Sally's ghost stories look like a fairy tale, something sinister is brewing in the city. Logan's at his wits' end. The only help he can find is a struggling hunter and a professor who's a whiz with ancient evils. It sounds like the start of a bad joke, right? But there's nothing funny about what's awakening in St. Louis. So join the race against time as this unlikely trio faces down and evil is old as time itself. Think your commute's tough? Try saving a city from being, you guessed it, devoured. Brian Alaspa's Devoured will have you laughing and gasping and frantically flipping pages. So grab some popcorn, turn down those lights, and dive into a world where saving the city just might be the craziest 4th of July ever, and trust us, it's more exciting than a sparkler, and the only thing that might get burned is the midnight oil as you read till dawn. Brian Elaspa's Devoured. Thrilling, chilling, and the perfect way to spice up your summer. It's available now in paperback for Kindle, exclusively through Amazon.com. Brian Elaspa's Devoured.
0: Congratulations. You're about to listen to the Nick D Podcast. It's by far the best decision you've made today. It makes the other podcasts seem like crap. Oh yeah, don't be a jag off.
3: yeah that means that uh it's uh, time to do some movie reviews because when you hear that theme only one thing can happen and that means it's time to talk about movies eric children's steve Procopi join me every other week to talk about the new movies here on the podcast uh interesting uh interesting week to say the to say the least uh, but let's say hello to the guys. First, let's say hello to uh, Eric Childress. Hello, Eric. Hello. And Steve Procopi. Hello, Steve. Hello. All right. Uh, Eric, uh, before we get started, tell everybody where they can hear you and see you and catch up with all your stuff.
2: Yes. Over at the Now Play Network, I have the Movie Madness podcast uh, that uh, Steve Procopi is a regular uh, weekly guest on, uh, talking movies. Uh, Pierce Zbzinski is a regular guest talking Blu-rays. Uh, I also co-host a podcast called The Friendship Dilemma with Morgan Geyer, where we talk about male and female friendships in the movies. And I write a box office column every Monday afternoon at Rotten Tomatoes. All right. And Steve Procopi, tell everybody where they can see and hear you.
0: Yeah. In addition to the Movie Madness podcast with Eric, uh, you can also read my reviews and interviews at thirdcoastreview.com and uh i've been spending an inordinate amount of time at the music box theater lately we're am the pr manager i've been hitting every day of the nor city festival uh so far and starting this weekend actually we're kicking back in part 2 of the billy wilder matinee series so yes. that'll be fabi hosting some of those
3: right i just picked up a whole bunch i ordered a whole bunch of tickets for uh upcoming stuff at the uh hmm at the music box including the um Billy Wilder series and um Near Dark is in uh, mm-hmm. is in October 35 and uh you got uh, one of the one of the days that you guys are doing the Billy Wilder thing you're showing the the cabinet of Dr Caligari uh, mm-hmm. which I'm just going to be crying during that that's going to be fantastic <laughs> so uh lots of great stuff happening at the music box as always mm-hmm. so uh, so check it out musicboxtheater.com for more information all right Uh, So the big movie that opens this week, they did not screen for us. Um, (laughs) And uh, I I find that very interesting, and we can discuss this quickly. Uh, It's Equalizer 3. Now, um, this is the third in a series of movies that are reasonably successful, right, Eric? I mean, they've made three of them, so they've... they've
2: Yeah, the first one was... I mean, both of them, I think, were ultimately hits. Uh, The first one definitely was... I I think both of them just cleared over $100 million. So, you know, that's the standard.
3: Yeah, and so they're both hits. They both star an Academy Award-winning beloved actor. And Sony, for some reason, uh, what, what what's going on with Sony where they won't screen anything for the critics, or at least in Chicago? Steve, you got some insight into that?
0: I mean, only that I was told that they've basically just decided that in, except in very rare cases, like you know, a Spider Verse movie or something along those lines, that. They're sony's just experimenting with not screening and this is something that they kind of came out of the pandemic like this thinking it probably wasn't worth it for some reason to just screen for critics outside of the coasts off the coast like so i i don't exactly know if it's a i don't think it's a cost cutting thing i think they just don't think it's worth it for some reason but yeah i mean i don't think sony's hurting financially maybe they are i don't know but i can't imagine they are um so yeah, I I don't. That's about as much insight as I have. But I mean, it, it that that information comes from someone who would know. So. Well, I find
3: it really I find it really interesting that um, a Denzel Washington sequel that's coming out has not been yeah. screened, and yet we're going to be reviewing a movie about a sloth and a talking mongoose, and those we were <laughs> able to see. Uh, yeah. So anyway, uh, so yes, uh, Equalizer three. I will be seeing it in a few hours, as I guess mm-hmm. you guys will as well. Me too. Yeah. Uh, yep. So I will be. And sitting...
2: just to, just a follow up. I was gonna say just to follow up on that. I mean, I know you know we have some this kind of insight into it and whatnot. But if you look at the movies that Sony has released this year, I I think that I mean they're they're kind of you know splitting hairs a little bit because I think that they're. Leaning on, you know, say, saying it's an experiment when actually a lot of these movies probably wouldn't have screened for critics anyway because they're so bad, yeah, um, or not worth it. I mean, I know some people liked sixty five, but that didn't screen. The Pope's Exorcist didn't screen. Big George Foreman didn't screen. The Machine didn't screen. Insidious didn't screen, except in a few cases. Uh, but they screened Spider Man, No Hard Feelings, and Gran Turismo. So I'm a little surprised they're not screening this one because yeah. the reviews have not been terrible the ones that who are allowed yeah. to see it at least listen if so they're gonna screen
3: I... that if they're gonna screen that fucking gran turismo movie then they've got no excuse <laughs>
2: that's very true
3: they've got no excuse very true so um all right well anyway it's out there if you like denzel i mean i i'm not a fan of these movies actually um, i don't think they're very good um but i'm going to see it because it's you know it's denzel and he's gonna break arms and shit so i'm gonna mm-hmm. go see it all right well anyway we're not gonna review that Let's move and on. Apparently, to st- make
0: people shit their pants too. Yeah he, to the he, yeah, he does. According to the trailer, yeah, he does. According to the trailer, he
3: does do that. Uh, so we'll be watching that one in a few hours. But we are going to lead with a movie about a talking mongoose, uh, which I did not see. I have not seen this. You guys have. It's called Nandor Fodor and the Talking Mongoose, and it stars Simon Pegg, uh, among other people. And uh, Eric, why don't you tell us about Mandor Fod- Fodor and the Talking Mongoose?
2: Well, I mean a, a title like that and a story like this can only be preceded with the words based on a true story right. Uh, and right you know and so <laughs> this movie it takes place in the 1930s. Um, somewhere around the Isle of Maine and uh, Simon Pegg plays uh, Nandor Fordor who was a uh, I guess real life uh, parapsychologist and uh, was known for debunking a lot of the myths that come along with people seeing ghosts or you know whatever the, you know anyone was saying that they were seeing in the, around their homes at the time um, and he was a well-known skeptic well he gets uh, a letter from a colleague of his played by Christopher Lloyd about this case of this pre- pre- presumed <clears throat> excuse me, uh, talking mongoose that uh, is just kind of like is around this farmhouse and is rarely seen, but sometimes it takes the form of a mongoose and its name is Jeff, and that's GEF uh, and for, and it's voiced by Neil Gaiman of <laughs> all people. Yeah. Uh, and uh, this this is intrigues... known, for, known
3: known for his fantastic voice work. Uh, Neil <laughs> yeah, Absolutely right. Yeah.
2: Um, and this intrigues not so much Nandor, but his assistant, uh, played by Minnie Driver. Uh, and they end up going uh, to this farmhouse to see, you know, what how full of shit these people are. Uh, and it seems you know the the entire family seems to be uh, the big believers in this. Uh, their daughter, their seventeen year old daughter, just happens to be an expert in ventriloquism uh which is very very, uh prominently uh displayed for them so obviously it seems like there is a solution to this mystery uh but the more nandor hears from jeff sometimes over a phone call sometimes just beneath floorboards in a barn uh jeff seems to know things about his past his relationship with his father and the kind of things that you know any sort of psychic you know in, in you know in the movies at least would know a little bit more than your average psychic. Uh, so he begins to sort of thaw a little bit and believe there might be something to this uh, I wish the movie had expressed a, a greater interest in solving this entire thing instead of kind of just reducing everything to becoming a well let people believe what they want to believe it's all kind of a fashions itself into a very basic religious, Metaphor without at really exploring why this family might be doing this, if you know the, the what the solution to any of this might truly be, uh, why any of the the farm hands or whatnot are complicit in this thing, uh, and it just kind of ends on a on a on a big whimper with these resolutions. Uh, and and it's not to say that. The performances aren't pretty good. I think Simon Pegg is is pretty solid in this. I think Minnie Driver is good. I like Christopher Lloyd has a couple of really nice scenes. Uh, and, uh, and the voice work by Gaiman is, is pretty interesting. Uh, but ultimately, it just comes down to a whimper that just is very unsatisfying. However, if you stay through the end credits of this movie... Uh, As it gets through, uh, you get a couple photos, I think, of the real-life Nandor, Fordor, uh, and you get to the point where they start revealing all of the people who, I guess, who crowdfunded this movie, and they got all the the names, you know, explained across the screen. A, a, A new video shows up at the end, not to show bloopers, not to say thank you to the fundraisers, but basically for the cast to completely say fuck you to the director, of this movie. What? They they all come on and say how horrible the director, Adam Siegel, was making this movie. Christopher Lloyd can barely contain himself, almost just walks off the interview you talking taking about that him. Seriously, were you, Eric? I, I am absolutely taking it seriously. Oh, I am God, absolutely no. taking He did not get a director's <laughs> credit at the end of this movie. I am absolutely I'm... taking this seriously. Hmm. I didn't okay. I didn't honestly I, I don't. Why would you do that? To why would you otherwise during, do to, that? To
0: kill time during those those crowdfunding credits that take no, several minutes.
2: We wouldn't have even gone through the end of the credits for that. I don't. I don't believe. I, I don't. I don't understand. He does not get a director's credit at the end of the movie. It goes straight to a producer's credit. So something mm. happened in this mm. movie that mm. makes me believe because Simon Pegg comes out and calls him a fuck you and a cunt wow. at the end. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I, I, I don't know what the joke is. I mean, I, they, I said I, they said that they said the direct a great joke at one but of the it's... point, they said the director is such an asshole that he made his dog direct on set. Wow. There's All some right. there's well, gotta be something to this. I'm well, sorry. Sounds, I, that, I, that, that, I, maybe that, I'm not, maybe I'm being duped. Maybe I'm being duped now. Maybe okay. that's the point. So,
3: so, but do they, okay. Okay. So do they, do they beep out the F bomb because it's PG 13?
2: Oh yeah. At the end, okay. at the end, when he yeah. okay. says it, yes. Okay. All right.
3: So so all right. Well, now see, uh, now I want to see it. I didn't care about this goddamn movie at all. I had no interest in it at all. Well, Steve, what did you what did you think of the movie? I mean, Besi- besides uh, the fact uh, that you end don't think, end you credits don't decide of- that I did not buy for a second
0: because we haven't seen a single news story or anything <laughs> talking about this. I think it's just meant. I mean, look, if you've seen like. A sort of jokey dvd extra or some like interviews where people kind of rid each other about how horrible they were to work with each other this didn't really shock me nearly as much as it did some people but i also don't think it's serious uh, some people as much as like christopher lloyd maybe can barely contain himself some other people can barely contain laughing when they're saying these things so i i mean i i don't know um i i i mean I, but aside from that, the, the, the as Eric mentioned, the religion metaphor is, is laid on pretty thick and you don't have to tilt your head too far in any direction to see the messages here about faith versus science. Um, all Fodor wants to do is find out why so many people would buy into what he believes is an obvious bit of trickery. But there's a very early scene. I think it's the scene where he and Lloyd are talking to each other. Where we find out that the reason that he is so intent on getting the truth about these unusual encounters and he is like a basically a professional debunker on top of being a paranormal psychologist is that he wants it to be true you know for just for once he wants it to be true he has a story i think it's about his father dying and that he kind of wants to know like he wants to talk to his father again basically so uh, yeah and eric's right I, Simon Pegg's performance is actually really engaging, although he seems to be doing a little bit of a uh I don't know if it's a Christoph Waltz impersonation or something. There's an accent mm. there that he that he keeps mm. throughout the whole movie. Like he's very good at holding on to it, but I wasn't quite sure what it was supposed to be. But it ends up being pretty engaging, a little bit sad. Um yeah, especially in the moments where he realized that he's something of a a pariah in the scientific community and um so this like paper that he might write about this supposed mass hysteria in this farming community might just be the thing to bring him back into the, like sort of the celebrated mainstream. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's, it, it I don't need every movie that I see to have like a definitive point. Um, and as engaged as I was with this material, some of the time it, it does enter that realm of pointless, uh, most of the time. So um, it has a few moments of like light humor, even a possible romance between the doctor and his assistant, but never, none of it really amounts to very much. Um, and th- I think the film's greatest bit of trickery though is there's a flashback near the beginning where they, we, they're talking about Harry Houdini, who was also a debunker in his time. And we see this flashback, and I thought the actor playing Houdini was a de-aged Ben Kingsley, and it turned out it was actually his son, Edmund, who who looks exactly like him at the end of this thing, just, like, young. It's a hell of a trick, I, I you know, and makes the other sort of mystifying parts of this movie maybe pale in comparison. But anyway, it's... Uh, yeah, that's... It, it's It's probably not a recommendation for me, so... Either so. But it's right. close. It's close. There's stuff in here to, like...
3: All right, so it's not terrible, but uh, the most intriguing thing might be the post-credit sequence. We'll see. Yeah. So, Nandor Fodor and the talking mongoose. All right, cool. All right, we move from mongooses to sloths now. Um, <laughs> Eric, you have not seen this movie.
2: No, uh, and I don't no. think anyone else has either. Okay, well, unfortunately, it I can... It was several I can, theaters I can, yesterday
0: I, for I, one I can, show over. I can, I, can <laughs> <attest, laughs>
3: I, can, I can attest to the fact that it exists cause, because I saw it. <laughs> All right, Steve, why don't you uh, tell us about Slother House?
0: Yeah, so this, I guess, I don't even know where to begin with this thing. Um, yeah, and I said before, I, I contemplated telling you, oh, you know, I didn't make it to this, so we didn't have to talk about it. But okay, but I did. Um, and so this is a story of uh, a sorority uh, senior in a sorority named Emily, played by, I'm going to try to get this name right, Lisa Ambalavanar. Um Uh, She wants to follow in her mother's footsteps by getting elected president of her sorority. Um, And she stumbles across a, I guess he's a poacher or at least the guy who sells what the poachers catch. And these poachers have caught like a sloth and they've drugged it up. So he's a little out of it, Um, but he's cute and they are, he or she, I don't know if we ever established that, but anyway, um, so she, the guy tries to convince her, like, hey, this might actually, you know, this is a great pet. Uh, and she thinks, well, maybe this will actually, see, she and her friends think this will actually get her elected uh, above this other girl um, whose name is Brianna, who is the current president, uh, played by Sydney Craven. She wants to be the first girl ever to be elected president twice in their home. So. Uh, it becomes sort of a competition between the two of them, and she's definitely borrowing attitudes and and tactics out of Mean Girls uh, and the like. But she, so she adopts this sloth and actually gets it to become the new mascot of the sorority, that, and she thinks it'll help her win. Now, one of her friends is like, "You need to. This is not as a wild animal. You should not have this as a pet. You need to take it back." But uh, but Emily is so like intent on, on winning this election, she holds on to it, and then what ends up happening is that during the course of the next and i think it's a couple weeks some of the girls like the sloth actually turns out to be like a murderous creature and um and it it actually can move fast when it wants to and um and it just ends up knocking off the sorority sisters one by one even though no one really seems to notice that they're gone or at least not not for a while and they just kind of accept it and no one really talks about it. And apparently there's no smell with these dead bodies hidden all over the house either. Cause this just say, let's just say there's a lot in this movie that goes unexplained. Um, I'm trying to understand even, we don't even understand really why the sloth who they end up naming alpha, um, why the sloth is murdering people in the first place, other than maybe it's mad. It got kidnapped. Um, again like how how does no one find out like i said i think this film takes place over several weeks how does no one find out about these murders um why why would someone change the behavior of a sloth uh to make it fit this movie when you there are other animals maybe or i don't know i, I maybe it's just cuz I, I mean it's a classic example of having a a funny title and then trying to write a movie around it basically um Every, every, I did. There were a couple little things that I thought were kind of amusing here. Every time we meet a new person, we get like a little look at their social media stats. Just, it's like a nice shorthand to know who the popular people are in the pecking order of the house. But I mean, that just happens like once for per person. And I don't know. It's, I was desperate to on to things here that I thought were interesting. So, um, there are certain nods to movies like Black Christmas and Halloween and The Shining, um, the puppeteering, and I, I applaud the use of puppeteering and animatronics over CG to make the sloth come to life, but it still look like garbage. Um, another strike against the film is that it's PG-13, which means that the kills are basically toothless. Um, they The, the camera kind of cuts away when there should be like, you know gore plenty i mean we get some blood spurts but that's about it um there's even like a killing montage toward the end like in the middle of the movie and we just kind of race through these different scenarios but we don't really get any actual gore of any of any to, to speak of it's 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 weak as hell um so yeah i i was just left a little and why, why does the sloth kill some people and not other people? Some other people it's perfectly willing to cuddle with, but the other people it just wants to kill right away. So I don't get that. There's also, I think, a candidate. I don't think we do a worse... Per, do, Eric, do we don't do a worse performance in our year-end review, do we? I can't remember. We have,
2: we, we have in the past, yes, we
0: have. Okay. Because one of the sorority sisters, who I think is supposed to be a lesbian, Um, maybe, I don't oh, know if she's... God. Is she? Is, is she doing like Rodney Dangerfield? Yeah, what is I she? I don't know. What like she's terrible. Like. She is terrible in this. And I mean, but not. I mean, not that any of the other actors in this film are are breaking new ground in any way or in any way good. But she is. It, 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 like I wanted to plug my ears every time she came on the screen. So anyway, I, I mean, this movie. I get it. Like there's like a camp value here, but. I, I found no value in it. So, um, yeah, it, it's 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 terrible. It's terrible from top to bottom. Um, so I, you know, I'm sure there'll be a sequel, but uh, yeah, no, it's it's bad. And I don't I don't get the release strategy because as far as I can tell, it's literally playing this one time and I'm I'm sure it'll come out some other way. But this is like it's like one off screenings on a Wednesday. I, I don't I don't know what that's about. Anyway, I'm baffled by every aspect. Of this movie my theater certainly wasn't full but it wasn't empty either so um anyway so yeah that's slother house who who knows if you'll even have a chance to see it if you haven't seen it already
3: yeah it's 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 utter They uh <laughs> it, it, um here, here's the thing now first of all uh i don't under- like you said i don't understand uh i mean i guess because sloths are funny and that they were like maybe this is like somebody who saw you know uh zootopia and thought, uh, let's do let's do a satire of that fucking seven years later or whenever Zootopia came out or whatever it is. Um, here's here's the thing. There's there's as you said, it's PG thirteen. That's the first problem. I mean, if you're gonna make a stupid ass movie about a sloth killing sorority girls, you need blood and you need tits. That's it. And you have neither in this movie. So what the fuck's the point? Um, if you're gonna make a you know if you're gonna make an exploitative exploitative horror movie with a sloth killing sorority girls at least make an exploitative horror movie, Uh. you know, with sloths murdering, (laughs) murdering people. So, um, so yeah. And there is that montage that you mentioned. There's that montage where like half of the murders take place in a, in a a one and a half minute montage. (laughs) You don't know who the characters are. They all get murdered and whatever. The sloth, the puppetry is ridiculous. The idea that the sloth is like angry at the poacher because the sloth can not only uh, do things that most sloths can't do, like move quickly, but it can also navigate a mouse and go online and it can, it can drive a car. It can drive a car. <laughs> um, so, I mean, it's just, it's, it's completely done at, you know, whatever wacky comedy bit they want to do, uh, you know, at the whim of the writers directors, that's what they do with this sloth. The puppetry is terrible. The effects are terrible. The acting is awful. And you mentioned that one girl <laughs> is unbelievably horrible. Uh, the kind of stuff that they're doing in this movie has been done a million times before, uh, you know, most notably in stuff like Heather's and 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 mm. things like that. Um, and so there's that. And then on top of it, the movie doesn't really play as a comedy until the last 15 minutes. It's like for about the first hour, I think you're supposed to be like, hey, this is kind of this is going to be scary. Like, at least that's the tone that I think they're shooting for. Yeah. They don't go for flat- out comedy. They don't really acknowledge just how unbelievably absurd and ridiculous and, ridic- and, 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 and completely ridiculous the the story is and the plot is until the last fifteen minutes. there's a scene late in the movie where one of the the main character and the house mother the 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 mm-hmm. you know uh have a scene uh, uh, yeah. and it's actually it's actually a pretty funny scene. and it's the first time that that mo- that at, at that moment in that movie where they acknowledge that this is an absurd comedy and it's that's the first scene in the movie where I went oh okay well this could have been something because it was actually kind of funny the woman playing the house mother was funny and the dialogue that they have is completely acknowledging how absurd the situation they are is and then at one point a little bit later on it gets more absurd the stuff that they have the sloth do in the last 15 minutes one at one point one of the characters says the name of the movie you know he says sloth or house and they acknowledge how ridiculous that is and I'm like you know what? I've been sitting here for an hour and 40 minutes and you motherfuckers have been taking this seriously. Now you're going to start with the jokes. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sitting here for like an hour and a half. And so, and then on top of it, you know, it's just, a, it's a horrible, it's terrible. And there's no blood. There's, it should have been all blood and all boobs. That's what they should have done. Sloth killing people would have been fine. Straight to video, see it at midnight at his theater, have a couple of brewskis and watch it. Fine. But it even fails on that level, on every level. But also, let me just say this it's It was very, very weird to see this movie literally twenty four hours after I saw Bottoms, because in Bottoms, there is a similar dynamic that's happening between establishing these characters and who they are and what they represent and the byplay between mostly female characters. And they kind of touch on the same kind of things, like that character that you're talking about, Steve. Uh, there's a character that's very similar in Bottoms, only, you know, yeah. well-acted and well-written. So to watch this movie, it, it was even worse. Like, it made it even worse, because I would saw such a terrific movie before that about female interaction, young female interaction, you know, teenage female interaction. And then to watch just, like, some subpar stupid movie with these one-dimensional idiotic female characters being attacked by a sloth, I just kept thinking... Wow, Bottoms is even better than I thought it was. So, um, first of all, don't see this movie after watching Bottoms. Well, don't see this movie at all. But it makes it even worse if that's possible. It's one of the worst movies of the year, um, mm-hmm. easily. And didn't even know it was a comedy until the last fifteen minutes. So, so uh, Eric, don't see it. That's that's, okay. uh, that's the message. So, all right. Now, I did mention this movie, Bottoms, as we review uh, as we reviewed this one. So, uh, Eric, uh, tell us about Bottoms. Now, you guys both saw this movie a long time ago, right? I did. Not I saw it a
0: couple weeks ago for me. Oh, yeah. okay. All right.
3: All right. Yeah, well, I saw then... it back in March. Okay. So <clears throat> tell us about Bottoms, which is now out uh, in, the, in, the, in the movie theaters.
2: Okay, Uh, well, this is the new film from director Emma Seligman, uh, who made a little indie uh, splash a couple years ago with a movie called Shiva Baby. Uh, Her star of that movie, Rachel Sennett, uh, who also uh, co-wrote uh, the film uh, is uh, one of the stars of the film, uh, along with Ayo uh, Adabiri, uh, people may know from The Bear, uh, the television show. Uh, the two of them are best friends, uh, very unpopular in their high school, a high school that, like most high schools, kind of worships football and you know uh, popularizes all of the athletes to ridiculous levels. Uh, but the two of them, the only thing that interests them Uh, is basically getting the attention of their crushes. Uh, Both of them are gay, uh, and the two girls they are interested in are two of the most popular, beautiful girls in school, played by Havana Rose Liu and Kaya Gerber. Um, There's uh, another unpopular girl named Hazel, played by Ruby Cruz, who uh, puts out a rumor that uh, both uh, PJ and Josie, the two the two leads, were in juvenile detention uh, before. Uh, that gives them sort of a, uh, a, a interesting rep. Uh, and when they uh, lightly ding up the, the star quarterback uh, on the football team, uh, they you know, basically you know called to called to the carpet for it uh, and said that you know, the, everything that they're doing is part of this feminist fight club. That they have started uh, and that gives them a little bit of cover uh, to actually start uh, a fight club in their school uh, and get a number of other uh, unpopular girls involved with it, as they can sort of work out their frustrations and whatnot uh, through this. Uh, they are assisted uh, by a teacher, uh, played by uh, best supporting actor nominee Marshawn Lynch, uh, future best supporting actor nominee, uh, the former Seattle Seahawks football player, uh, who uh, just goes through an entire transition uh, throughout this movie on his own. Um, basically, I mean, that, that, I mean, as plots go, the the film follows uh, the, the kind of the, the thing that we've always sort of seen through male dominated films about high school the sort of the, the pursuit of sex pursuing your crushes pursuing the opportunity to get laid before graduation all that kind of stuff but everything in bottoms is done to a heightened exaggerated level uh, some you know might call it satire but it's just it's almost there's almost like a wonderfully cartoonish kind of uh mentality running through this movie that just elevates every single joke that is on display i mean this movie is funny with a capital f uh might be the funniest movie i think i've seen all year uh in in a year where we've had some really great r-rated comedies this one made me laugh consistently throughout uh, the you know the leads, the Senate, uh, who has really been uh, be, you know, becoming something over the last few years, uh, in, in you know the small films that she's been doing, but has really stood out. Uh, Etta Beery, uh, who I think is fantastic on the bear, and I loved her very briefly in theater camp this year. She's great in this. All the women in this movie are great. And the guys are ridiculous, too. I mean, they're they're playing yeah. heightened, elevated versions of chauvinist jagoffs themselves. Uh, and just everything, everything that this movie leads to, it gives you exactly the kind of climactic confrontation that only a movie like Bottoms could deliver. And deliver with the kind of confidence uh, and style uh, that... You know, is is what we want when we go see a, a completely ridiculous, exaggerated comedy like this that also has something uh, really interesting to say about uh, fe- uh, feminine dynamics in in all levels. Fr- frankly, uh, no, this this is one of the funniest comedies. Uh, might be the funniest comedy of the year. Uh, and uh, I I have I haven't seen it since March, but I can't wait to see it again. Okay. All right, Steve, what do you think?
0: Yeah, it's fun. You said funny with a capital F. I think it's funny with a capital F. U. Um, yeah. There it's, it is. it's uh yeah so the uh oh wait hold the, on
3: look what i have loaded up
0: <laughs> All right go ahead <laughs> you thank go. You. Uh, you Um go. anyway so the uh the one thing that cracked me up when the movie was over i was i was like i forget who i was talking to afterwards but i'm like i kept getting distracted by the fact that Kaya Gerber looks exactly like her mother cindy crawford yeah. in this movie it was she's kind of the sidekick to the main cheerleader she, i think she even has a line somewhere in here that's really funny about not having an identity outside of being this main cheerleader sidekick um and it's also but by the I, way
3: by the way ruby cruz who plays hazel is mm-hmm. uh is the son uh is the daughter of uh uh courtship of eddie fa- uh, eddie's father the kid on courtship of eddie's father uh-huh. No kidding. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I did uh, not know that. Uh, what the fuck is his name? Uh, something Cruz, uh, obviously. But the kid, the kid who played Eddie on Courtship of Eddie's father—that's oh, his daughter. Man. That's his daughter. Wow. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, the and, and her that character Hazel. I mean, she. I think she's my favorite character. And she. And by the way, and like, Steve. And by the way, that's <laughs> yeah. the
3: character. That's the character that I that, they, yeah, that yeah. they were trying to do in Slaughterhouse that, that, right, that you right, hated right. so much. That's yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. No, I... I yeah, so... Yeah. But I love... <laughs> I mean, they take her... She's hilarious. She's oh. kind of offbeat. But, like, the whole thing that happens when they, they kind <laughs> of activate the fight club to get revenge on, on Jeff, the the football player, yeah. and yeah. she volunteers to do something that I won't ruin. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. but she ends up actually doing it, and it freaks everybody out. So, yeah, but yeah. anyway, I mean, like, this, this is... Like, this is a film that is not afraid to get wild and vulgar and even unrealistic to a certain point. Like, the the, the film, I don't think it's a spoiler to say the film literally ends with a massacre. Like, it yeah. literally is, like,
2: yeah.
0: um, and it only, it only kind of makes the movie that much more, like, riotous and it's a pleasure. To show how strong the film is, there's a one-scene cameo in here by uh SNL's Punky Johnson Unbelievable. that might be the funniest and most important thing she's ever done like A- absolutely right Steve absolutely <laughs> yes. right
3: I was I mean I was beyond delighted to see Punky in this movie and yeah. Was, yeah yeah
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, I didn't know she was in it I, yep. I saw, I'm like is that her And like yeah. yeah so anyway so like we I think over like like we've seen Senate now in in bodies 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 in these two films with this director she has proven that she is like an absolute gift providing just enough like weirdo sexual energy to keep everybody off guard um i you know and then then watching uh, Edabiri, a her her kind of weird it's a combination of like weird nervous energy with like a supreme self confidence that like she creates this character who's like a genuine treat here i don't think i've ever seen in a, a performance quite like it
1: yeah
0: um it the, the film is Unapologetic, but still wants to be very much like, kind of like the characters here. Um, and it surprised me repeatedly with it with its direction and tone and, and the sharp writing, um, to the point where it seems like crucial to me that that Seligman and Senate just never stop working together because they're clearly going to create yeah. great work uh yeah. you know forever. And and yes, I, I I don't have much more to add to what Eric said, but uh, yeah, yeah, I I love this movie.
3: Me too, and and it and it does go off. I mean, you mentioned it kind of kind of goes off into cart. This is surreal. <laughs> The the yeah. shit in this movie. I mean, yeah. there uh, you know, like at 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 no point in the movie do the do the uh, male actors who play football players wear anything but shoulder pads and football right. uniforms. The entire movie, yes, even yeah. when they're even when they're screwing somebody's mom, they've got shoulder pads on. <laughs> and, so, and I mean, and this movie goes into it. Reminded me in in that kind of regard, it's like Heather's. It reminded me that it had that sort of acid tone to it where it took those characters and really re- – like the football players in Heather's when, you know, when, they find the, when they find the sparkling water and all that stuff, that, like all that stuff in Heather's. That's, it's kind of that similar tone but only multiplied by a million to like surreal depths. I mean, uh-huh. yes, you say there's a massacre in this, in this movie. <laughs> During the last five minutes, I was like, what the fuck is going on? And there were so many moments in the movie like nobody – the principal in this movie drops F-bombs and screams and yells – and and I'm telling you right now, Marshawn is Lynch is unbelievably funny in this movie. And who knew that like this this pro football player, beast mode uh, guy? Yeah, that's
2: right. Would,
3: <laughs> it, 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 it's, I mean, like, it's really one of the funniest performances I've seen in years. He's unbelievably funny. And the shit that they wrote for him is hilarious. All the characters are great, everything is 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 just like over the top and funny. Uh, I love the message of it. I think it's got a very positive message. It's also very not only pro-feminism, but it also unapologetically, the two lead characters are lesbians and let everybody know about it. Um, and I just, I thought that, you know, the dynamic between the characters, uh, there's one character that just wants to murder everybody. She's got braces and she's like really scary and hyper <laughs> and screaming through the entire movie. Um, and you mentioned some of the other people that are in it. and uh, And that cameo by Punky Johnson is so fantastic and um yeah and and uh it's vulgar and crazy and i i think the i saw it with a packed house okay and for the most part people really loved it but i think a lot of people were confused at the <laughs> at how far it would go like there were moments that, like immediately when it started i'm like wait a minute okay i'm going to have to adjust because this is not realistic at all and yet the message that it has is realistic and what it wants to say is 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 important but it says it in a way that's so unbelievably fucking R-rated, outrageous, and vulgar and crazy and cartoonish and surreal that you're like, okay, well this I'm just on a ride here, man. This movie has no rules. Like there are no rules in this movie, in this world, and I was down with it. I thought it was great on every level and, and Rachel Sennett, Um I just love her. I love I loved her and Shiva Baby is fantastic. She's great in bodies, bodies, bodies. The only thing in the idol that didn't suck ass was her. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, and, and the cast I mean the cast all the way around great young women great young men uh, a strong female voice again women by the way are kicking ass this year making movies uh, and you can add this one to the list I just think it's vulgar and, and brave and funny as fuck and, uh, and outrageous on every level and I laughed my ass off and had a great time I think it's one of the best movies of the year I loved it so mm-hmm. basically go see Bottoms because uh, it's great all right, now let's move on to, uh, uh, I guess this is the serious movie of the world. Of the
0: let's throw cold water it, on this party. Yeah. Is it? <laughs> yeah, I guess. Is it serious? Uh, I
3: guess. Um, Steve, tell us uh, if we can kind of, all three of us have seen this one, if we can kind of briefly talk about the <laughs> yeah. plot and then we can discuss The Good Mother with uh, Hilary Swank. And Olivia. Yeah, I Cote. To, uh, and Olivia I have Cote. to
0: remind myself sometimes that Hillary Swank has two Oscars. So, but yeah. and that's, I'm not. I'm not slamming her acting abilities. It's just like the stuff that she has done since those two movies. It's like at least like in the last ten years have been pretty forgettable and yeah. and certainly no run no risk of her winning and, a third stat. And statue, I don't. So. I don't
3: know if you. I don't know if you've watched uh, Alaska Daily or whatever no. the fuck to know. No, oh my God, <laughs> no. dude. Oh my God. No. Okay. Anyway, I have. So, uh, yeah. So anyway, because I actually think she gives a decent
0: performance here in The Good Mother, in which she plays an editor and former reporter, uh, Marissa Jennings, working for the Albany Times Union, which is a real newspaper. So... Uh, kudos to them for actually pulling out a real newspaper here. Well, the director,
3: the the director, uh, is from, uh, is from Albany. That's his home. Yeah. Yeah. But usually a lot of times they just make up a name for a newspaper, but I
0: was like, Oh, she actually works for the paper anyway. So Marissa gives up being a reporter after her husband died, not long before these events. And as the film opens, she learns that her estranged son, Michael has been murdered, leaving behind a pregnant girlfriend named Paige played by Olivia cook. Um, By all accounts, Michael was a drug addict and a dealer, so his death isn't a complete shock, but Marissa wants closure and decides to dust off her investigative training and find out exactly what got her son killed and maybe even who did it. Uh, It helps that her other son, Toby, played by Jack Rayner, is a (laughs) local police officer and is willing to help his mother out when he can. Uh, Out of desperation and Marissa's concern for her future grandchild, she lets Paige move in with her, And the two actually do start to bond and work together to uncover what happened uh, to Michael. When Marissa discovered what Marissa discovers is like a twisted world of corruption and crime, and that permeates Albany's underbelly. And in many ways, the Good Mother seems very much like the city uh, where it was shot. This is exactly how I always pictured Albany. I've never been there, and the the director uh, who did this movie called Dreamland with uh, Margot Robbie a few years ago. Um, oh God! That this is his new movie. So anyway, yeah. Yeah. if not, if nothing else, he gives us a real sense of place that I will, of a place I will never visit in my life. So anyway, he also concocts a mystery that took me about fifteen minutes to figure out. Uh, but what I couldn't quite predict was how Marissa was going to react when she found out the story, the real story of her son's murder. Uh, Would she finally break out of her funk and write the account of the final days of his life? Or would she sink deeper into sorrow at losing yet another loved one? There's some indication that her relationship with her late husband wasn't exactly what we're initially led to believe it was, but that's both a little confusing and frustratingly left unexplored. Uh, One of the film's many shortcomings. So um, the strength of The Good Mother lies in its performances. I think Swank and Cook uh are are pretty good here and and go a long way toward elevating the material uh that it beyond its sort of run-of-the-mill screenplay um also providing solid supporting work hopper Penn is in this who is the the son of Robin Wright and Sean Penn is Michael's sketchy friend uh I think his name is Ducky and then um Norm Lewis who plays Marissa's boss and mentor and then there's a Someone named Delone, I guess, is Toby's also pregnant wife who formed something of a bond with Paige, who kind of looks up to her as an example of a woman who actually has her life together. But it's sort of the world-weary looks on both Swank and Cook's faces that kind of tell the whole story about where these two women's lives are at this moment. Uh, The world and life has been against them for years, but they will keep going. Uh, But like the film itself, their lives are a combination of of admirable and draining. So, uh, that's not a recommendation for me, unless you're just a Olivia cook completist.
3: So yeah. Yeah. Of which, (laughs) of, of which I am. So, sure, uh, sure, sure. um, all right, uh, Eric, what did you think of the good mother?
2: I mean, this is just kind of a textbook way of how to squander talent. I mean, between Swank cook and Rainer, you have some really talented people here and people that I like to see, on screen, but I mean like 40 minutes into that. I mean, I wasn't really keeping track cause I was kind of bored by most of it, but like about 40 minutes in, I, I sat there. I'm like, wait a minute, this is going to be a mystery. Yeah.
1: Like I was
2: set up for uh, thinking that this was going to be this story about grief and these two, you know, this, this, yeah you know, this kind of surrogate daughter now that yeah. she kind of has in her life and this grandchild that's going to be coming. I thought it was going to be a relationship about these two women. Uh, but then it becomes like, who killed the son and what, what will happen? And, you know, and there's only like three other characters in the movie. So, I mean, it's the mystery from Throw yeah. Mama from the Train. It's the guy in the hat killed the other guy in the hat. Uh, I mean, you can you can solve this thing faster than Benoit Blanc solved Edward Norton's thing in uh, Glass Onion. Uh, and 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 by then, and then like, As you watch that play out and you watch the idiocy of the mystery play out and the ultimate, I mean, not just the resolution of like who did it, but then how they treat the finality of that. Like you have to work a bit of overtime to sell that ending to you because you're basically, I I don't want to give anything away, but you're basically, you know, there's like two characters that know the truth. And they're just going to be okay with it. Like, that's that's where we were left at the end of this yeah. movie. Yeah. Uh, and I'm just like, you can't end it here. Um, I mean, I got more pleasure watching this, knowing how, how much Steve hates movies that handle journalism so badly. I mean, I, I mean, I, like 20 minutes, in, I'm like, wait, she's a journalist, not a cop? I thought she was a detective 15 minutes into this movie when Jack Rayner goes to visit her. I'm like, oh, I thought she's on the force. Like, no, she's she's an, you know, but she's a writer who doesn't write. And that's her whole character, uh, yeah. I mean, this, I mean, I, I, this is dumb. And the director of the movie, Miles Joris uh, parafite uh, I guess is how you pronounce his name. Uh, and he, I mean, he's doing camera moves in this thing like he's Hitchcock uh, <laughs> or De Palma. And and some of that ends up being more satiric than anything else. It's like it's, it's really like stylistic camera movements i'm like this movie doesn't earn any <laughs> any of this yeah, stuff yeah. um you know it, it's a pretty dumb movie and it's just i hate to see talent like this wasted on something so minuscule well for
3: those for those guys who have for those of you who have not seen alaska daily her performance in this is very similar to what she's doing and in fact her <laughs> job is the same uh so it's i was like well i'm like oh is this like a, a one of the a, a very special episode of alaska daily <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. except it's Albany Daily at this point. So, uh, and Hillary Swank is just like coasting. she can do this kind of performance in her sleep. Um, I think Olivia Cook is great because I love her, and I think she's the best part of the movie. I think without question, she's the best part of the movie. Um, and like you said, this whole overly stylized use of camera and and, and everything. I will say, I think there's a very effective scene in this movie. I think there's a sequence in this movie that I think is very effective, and it it involves Olivia Cook in uh Jack Rainer's house. Um, and she's making a phone call, and there's a buzzing phone, and there's a sequence where you have to where she's f- tracking down where that phone is, and something that leads up to it. And I thought that sequence was very well handled. I thought, you know, in that sort of like moving the camera around, I thought that was a pretty well done scene with the, you know, like whose phone is it? Where is this phone? What's buzzing? Her going through it. The suspense that's built up in that. I actually thought that sequence was really well done, and it's the only sequence in the movie. That is intriguing, or even the you know remotely uh, uh, watchable in terms of like suspense. So I like that sequence, um, and I got to tell you, uh, Eric, I really like the ending. I really um, like that they went there. I got to tell you, I did, <laughs> and I and. And, uh, you know, I mean, I'm a little too much with the let's light the fucking cigarette at the end. I was like, okay, I get it. Thank Uh you very much. You know, like I'm not. And again, you know, like being being, you know, being um, uh, a recovering alcoholic, um, I was watching this movie going, no, you're not going to. By the way, you're not going to bring your laptop to a fucking bar to order a water when you're writing your story. That's (laughs) not going to happen. But anyway, so stuff like that, they got wrong. Um, And, you know, like doing the alcoholic writer thing again, Hillary Swank can do that in her goddamn sleep. Um, Olivia Cook had a nice little accent going. I thought she was the liveliest part of it. I have to say though, I can't. You know, <laughs> I'm just gonna say this: Midsummer has ruined Jack Rayner for me. I, 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 honest to God, honest to God, I, I like. I look at him. I want him naked in a bear suit. You know what I mean? That's what I want. <laughs> I, every time I see him, I just keep thinking like that movie made such an impression on me and his character, the way he was written, the way he was performed that I, honest to God, the minute I saw him in the movie, I was like, (laughs) I just started like, every time I see the guy, I can't. And I know that's not his fault. You know what I mean? Like he's, he's doing the best he can. This is not a very good script. He's doing the best he can. But honest to God, every time I saw him, I'm like, why isn't he running around naked right now? I, you know, like that's, that's why. It's a little bit his fault. He, yeah, he wore the is. hell out of that bear suit. He did. I you know it is. It's true. <laughs> yeah. But like that. I mean, it, like uh. that. Perfor- to me, like that character in that performance. I can't think of him in any, anything else, uh. especially when it's kind of subpar material like this. You know. Um, so. Uh. and uh, But anyway, I thought the cast was. You know, they uh, whatever. It was. It was bad. But I didn't. I didn't hate. I thought the ending. I was like, okay, that's pretty kind of ballsy. And you know, like. Uh, I liked the fact that it was—it had this sort of twisted, little dark ending. I liked that, uh, and I liked Olivia Cook, and I liked the scene with the buzzing phone. But outside of that, that was this was really pretty <laughs> yeah, shitty.
0: That buzzing phone scene is weird because it's supposed to be a big reveal that I think yeah, everyone no, watching the movie is yeah. going to have figured out way before.
3: It's this. no, it's true. Yeah. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. It's—I mean—it was supposed yeah. to be this big reveal, and I knew it, but I thought it was well handled. I really did. I thought the the editing was nice. I thought the use of sound yeah. and the and what happens, you know, on the stairs, I thought that was really well. I thought that was well handled. Um, mm. You know, I mean, I wasn't surprised by a moment of this movie, but there were some technical things I liked. I liked Olivia Cook, and I wanted Jack Rayner to be in a bear suit. That's all I can say about it. <laughs> <laughs> so what do we got next time uh, when we, we talk? Um, a Haunting in Venice oh, is boy. the big one. All oh, right. yeah. I can't wait, to fall, a- can't wait to fall asleep. Can't wait to fall asleep during nothing that. Nothing else.
2: All right. That really, yeah, that is. I'm looking at the list. It is it's been slow. It's that it's, week.
3: It's slow, man. It's slow. And then uh, I was yeah. looking forward to October, but they moved the one in October to March that I was looking forward to the most. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, anyway. All right. Well, we'll uh, we've, got, uh, we've got the, the Kenneth Branagh uh, thing coming up. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll uh, definitely review it then. All right, uh, Steve, Eric, thank you guys so much, and we'll we'll talk to you next time. All right, sure, thanks. thanks. All right, guys, take care. That's uh, Steve and Eric and the movie reviews, and we'll do it again in a couple of weeks. Right now, it's time for Esmeralda Leon. Esmeralda, yeah, Esmeralda Leon, yeah. Esmeralda, I'm talking about that Esmeralda Leon. Esmeralda, yeah, yeah. Get yourself some asthma. Love me some asthma. Esmeralda, yeah. Esmeralda. Yeah, there it is. There There's the theme we've all been waiting for for all day. So it's uh, a <laughs> wow. Excuse me. Oh my God. Oh. Wow! Hi, Esmeralda. <laughs> how Jesus are you? No, I've been. Ha- okay? I've had this. I've had this like um, little uh, cough thing, little uh, hacky little cough thing for about a week.
1: That's um, not good.
3: No, so I don't know. Uh, you know, we'll see. Anyway, hi. How are you?
1: Hello. Hi.
3: Uh, it's Esmeralda Leon, everybody. Uh, we talk to Esmeralda on every uh, every single episode. Uh, it is uh, Friday. It's a Friday morning. So, uh, any plans mm-hmm. for the weekend? I know it's going to be another hot one. We got Labor Day weekend, so it's an extended Ugh. weekend. You doing anything crazy for Labor Day? Like nuts? No,
1: thank God.
3: No, no craziness. <laughs> no. No. Uh, it's going to be hot though again. I, I, you know, I don't, I don't Mm-mm. need this. I don't need this in my life.
1: No, thank you. No.
3: I'm going to see tonight. I'm
1: going to see Duran Duran. Oh, that's nice.
3: Yeah, with uh, Chic opening up. Which is oh. going to be, should be great. My dad's birthday today.
1: Oh, well, happy birthday, Nick's dad.
3: 82 years young today.
1: Very nice. And you know what he's doing Shall for his birthday? Shall you be going to the, yeah, I, well, what are you I, doing?
3: I will be seeing him in a matter of moments. Uh, I, will be seeing him, I will be seeing him Friday morning, this morning. I'll be seeing him, spending some time with him into the afternoon. And then you know what he's doing for his birthday? What's that? He's working six
1: hours at Jewel. Oh, right, because
3: right, that's what he does. That's what he does. So he'll be telling uh, he'll be telling jokes at the Jewel, and uh, and that's how he's going to spend his birthday. So anyway, yeah. Although
1: that yeah. sounds lovely. Yeah, he <laughs> he
3: loves to. He loves it. And people, like I said, like I've said before, if you ever want a joke, and you've been there, uh, mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. Uh, the Irving Park and uh, and Narragansett Jewel at Dunning Square. Uh, that's where my dad works, and if you want a joke, get in his line. Where, for where he's bagging groceries and he'll be happy to tell you yeah a joke and he probably won't stop that's the problem like once he starts <laughs> you're gonna get, you're gonna get his full 75 minute routine so um that's so
1: which is yeah. pretty rough on him considering every person who goes through there
3: that's right
1: it's right. a but I'll 75 t- minute set
3: i'll tell you something a six hour a six hour shift goes by pretty fast though
1: Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. he's only
3: got he's only got to do that about five times. And uh, and, <laughs> and he's set the whole the whole thing is set. So anyway. Uh, so, yeah, my dad's birthday. Happy birthday to my dad. My dad, Nick, 82 years, uh, years young. And he will be uh, back on Tuesday's show to uh, stop by and tell a joke. Speaking of stopping by. Oh, 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 hi,
1: I'm Carrie Russell and I love Nick's
3: show. Hi, Carrie. How are you? Hi, Carrie? I'm
1: Carrie Russell and I love Nick's show.
3: Oh wow, she's got a T-shirt that says uh, "Slaughterhouse sucks."
1: Oh wow, geez, she's very uh, real quick. She's real quick and timely with these T-shirts.
3: Very timely with (laughs) them with the T-shirts, and I I, I think she thinks it might be considered competition to Cocaine Bear. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I I
1: I love Nick's show.
3: Okay, you can step outside. Yeah, there might be a little competition between, you know, Cocaine Bear and Slaughterhouse because Slotherhouse, as you've just heard Eric and Steve and I uh, talk about, mm-hmm. um, uh, it, it's a movie about a sloth that runs around killing people. And uh, her movie was about. Well, a that's bear.
1: already, I don't understand. How is a sloth. Running yeah. around,
3: there are. Let me tell you something, Esmeralda. There are a lot of fucking questions about that movie.
1: <laughs> like there's are sloths. That, that's sloths the least. Don't move very fast. I know. That's at the, all.
3: <laughs> that's that's the least of the logical problems with that movie, Esmeralda. I don't even know where to begin.
1: But uh, all right. Well, I'm watching. Um, I guess what is the trailer? And yeah. that sloth is moving. Yeah. Too fast. It moves way much, too fast.
3: It may. It moves much too fast for. Uh, for a sloth. For what but a again, sloth? yeah. Again, there are so many other terrible things about that movie that we could go through before we even get to the point <laughs> where, right, it is, right, where it is where it is a where where it is a misrepresentation of the behavior of sloths. I think that yeah. is l- low on the list of what makes the movie shit. There's a uh, Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So, um yeah. Anyway, uh so anyway, that's the t-shirt she's wearing. So, uh yeah. yeah Hey, have we checked on Michael Bolton? Have we checked on uh, on what, what's going on with him uh, lately? I mean, uh, it's been a whirlwind tour that we've yeah, been on with him. Yeah, we've been on him. You, know. you know, we haven't really been reporting as we should have on our. You know, nonstop. We're,
1: uh, we're just being with yeah, michael boltan
3: that's right we do have we have we do
1: have this it's my
3: we forgot we still run that
1: um right we're very busy exactly, you know it exactly. all becomes a blur
3: <laughs> exactly uh but yeah so michael Bolton. i just remember gentlemen
1: michael Bolton.
3: yeah i just remember that it uh that he had some very unorthodox ways of scheduling his tour, like, like, I think right.
1: I mean, well, you know, we had, we had a little bit of a break. We're in a break right now. I see. The last okay. time we saw him we were in San Diego, that's right. It was, uh, yeah. We, it, we on the 27th. We were there. That's, that's right. We
3: were, I, I forgot about that just a few days ago. I know. Just yeah. And ago. then, then we'll be,
1: we'll we have to go back to LA to the Hollywood mm. bowl. He'll be there on the third.
3: Wow. He's playing the Hollywood. Bowl. Oh my God. On, 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 mm-hmm. on uh, this weekend. Well, we're talking yeah. about how we didn't have anything to do this weekend. I know. Well,
1: you know, for us, it's just it's,
3: it's just, just another uh, day. Yeah, it's just, another, it's just day. another
1: day. We've been on this tour with him for so <laughs> that's, long. I, I
3: totally forgot Ooh. about that. That's right. And I talk I lead with Duran Duran. Come on, man. I'm going to see. I Michael. mean, come on. What's wrong with me? We've seen
1: him so many times now. It's, we can right. do the songs on our own. That's that's, that's, that's exactly how many right. that's how long. we're Sometimes been on he has us
3: because he's because he's, he's yeah, he sits in the back with with a sloth. And he's like, "You go out mm-hmm, on stage and do mm-hmm. that. And me and the sloth are gonna party."
1: Yeah, yeah. And then I, just remember, hope your uh, your passport's updated. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because on the tenth, we're gonna be in Bulgaria. Just oh, great, great. Right. Let me yeah, write that. Yeah, hold
3: yeah. on a second. Let me hold on. Let me write mm-hmm. that down. I uh, Bulgaria,
1: this. Greece, and then Portugal. Bul- so you know.
3: Bulgaria, Greece, Portugal. That's right. Uh, that's, right. That's, uh, that's great. Okay. And cool. then in Ladies October we'll be in
1: Michael Bolton.
3: Yes. Where are yeah, we going? And then in
1: October we're going to York, Pennsylvania. <laughs> so <laughs> So Bulgaria, Greece, Portugal right. and then York, Pennsylvania.
3: Saving the best for last. You know. Oh, uh, is it yeah.
1: Is that is that where the
3: peppermint patty was conven was, was invented? Uh maybe. Wow. That's an, Let's I, say I, it was. Yeah, I no, we're gonna a, have
1: to go to the museum.
3: We'll have to go to the York Peppermint Patty Museum. Um do you like the York Peppermint Patty Asmerelli? Are you a fan?
1: Uh, funny enough, I had one recently. Did you?
3: And, and while, you, did... while you were at the Michael Bolton concert?
1: <laughs> yeah. It wow. Was, it was interesting. He just has a whole bucket of them. <laughs> and I ate one. I didn't know they were his. He got a little mad. He got a little but, mad. You know. it's
3: like, hey, what are you doing yeah. with my,
1: what are you doing with my York yeah. Peppermint Patty? And, and I'm my, like, calm my, down, Bolton. That's my
3: Michael Bol- <laughs> Bolton. That was my. That's my Michael Bolton, by the way. I don't know if you knew I could do Michael Bolton.
1: Mm. Uh, I don't know. Hey, by the way, uh, have you told him? Have you have you shown? No, him I'm not going to
3: tell him that. He's too busy. He's, he, oh, okay. he's, the last time I, I went backstage and said hello to him, he punched me in the face for some reason. I don't know. He was just in a bad mood.
1: You know, he gets into these things, yeah, he gets and you moody. know, he sees us every time. Right. It's, you know, maybe next time we won't uh, immediately speak to him. Right, you have to time, go through his space. people.
3: You have to go through. You have to go through his sloths. He has sloths that you have to talk to. <laughs> it's
1: a sloth,
3: Oscar. That's what he has. He's oh. backstage with a bunch of sloths and a bunch of York peppermint patties.
1: By the way, it's uh, it, it does come. York peppermint patties do come from York, Pennsylvania. Do. Mm-hmm.
3: Wow. It's okay. from a
1: company called the York Cone Company that merged with Hershey in '88. Oh. Wait, the York
3: Cone company mm mhm so you know they
1: yes and okay. then Hershey took them over in 88 so then and you know wow now so that's York part Peppermint Patty. Wow Well, that's,
3: that's kind of late for Hershey to take over cuz the York Peppermint Patty's been around long since long since the long before 1988 so Hershey right. didn't come in and buy it yeah him. it goes
1: back all the way to 1920
3: 1920 the York Peppermint Patty you know, and to think, people say, you know, the Nick D podcast. You don't learn shit when you listen to that goddamn thing. Well, yes, right? you do. Yes, we do. You're learning all and about. We're
1: very, uh, we're very behind or early. Yeah. But National Peppermint Patty Day is February 11th.
3: <laughs> now, Peppermint Patty. Now, does that mean that we have to honor the character from Peanuts, or just Peppermint Patties in general?
1: I mean, is Peppermint Patty like? Is it because she's cool and refreshing?
3: Oh, I think she. Is. I think that's what it is. Yeah, I find peppermint <laughs> patty. I think peppermint patty is cool and refreshing. I think she is, right?
1: Is that why she's named peppermint patty?
3: I would imagine so. We could ask. We could ask Michael Bolton, but we can't get past his fucking sloths. He's got a sloth army. Michael Bolton has an entire sloth army. You know, Did he's you know, got a, she
1: has a whole name.
3: Uh, you know, like a last name, peppermint patty something.
1: Yeah. No, that's it's a, Patricia.
3: Patri- yeah. Patricia. Yeah. Pa- okay
1: patricia yeah, but she's sense. got like a name
3: what's of what's her full name because she is she related to anybody else on the, in, in reich,
1: reich reichard
3: patricia <laughs> I reichard don't know
1: where this, yeah i don't know where this name came from
3: so it's peppermint patty is her, is her nickname but her full name is patricia reichard, reichard. <laughs> yes. but they all have na- they all have full names they all and you know like uh isn't lucy relate she's lucy's lucy's uh charlie's Sister, right or right?
1: Uh, no, no, it's what's her name there's is another uh, one. Is yeah, there?
3: the the other girl is the younger girl is 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 Charlie's sister. Um, um, and I can't remember her name. Uh, Charlie. Brown's well, sister. I mean, if Charlie you Google, Brown. If you Charlie I guess Brown's Charlie sister. Charlie Brown. He's yeah. Charlie Brown. But his sister. He's got and, a sister. I think. Jesus, right. I used to know this. I used to. I used to love the love. I've forgotten everything. You know, I, sw- I swear Sally to God, Sally Brown. Sally. Okay, so Sally is his sister. That's right.
1: I think so, it's funny that I didn't at all make the connection that his name is Charlie Brown, like Brown is his last name.
3: <laughs> but what did you? What? Wait a minute. What did it you? It just think feels brown- like
1: it's just one name. You know what I mean? Like, oh, whatever. Like you don't. I don't think that this cartoon has a last name. You know what I mean? Yeah. No. But there's a whole family.
3: They. They all have. I brown- know. But
1: I just. I never think about it because you just like Peppermint Patty, Schroeder. Like. <laughs> Uh, oh. I don't think about them having government names. Oh, it's all. <laughs> That's like, essentially what it is. Like they don't, all don't, have social security numbers. Right. And, you don't think about like, you don't think of Char- you don't think about
3: Charlie Brown going to jury duty. That doesn't come into mm-hmm, your yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, I got you. I,
1: I, like, he's I, not a person I, like that. I'm like, right, uh, Just right, like right. Charlie Brown. It's like right. uh huh. Yeah. But I don't. I don't connect to that. Oh yes, his name is Charles Brown. It is
3: Charles Brown. <laughs> it is. So then it's Sally Brown is his sister.
1: Yes. Lion, and then his parents, what, no name for the parents.
3: What? What's it? Yeah, because the, the parents don't exist. They're wah, 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 like the teacher. They're all wah. Um, wah apparently,
1: wah. there is a grandfather that has a name, Silas okay. Brown, according to Wikipedia. This is. Wikipedia. I probably no. This is
3: probably, and I probably. I'm not kidding you, as I was obsessed when I was a kid. I was obsessed with Charlie Brown, and I've completely forgotten. I've, I, I guess I've completely forgotten about everything now. Linus does Linus have a last name? Like. Did, do, Sugeldorf or Dippeldorf or something.
1: I mean, that's also what cracks me up that her name is Patricia Reichardt. Like, that's right. quite a, it's an interesting last name for her. I think these
3: are based on Charles Schultz's family um, or like, I mean, I would knew. think so. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
1: Linus is uh, Linus Van Pelt.
3: That's right. Yes, that's right. Van Pelt. <laughs> Linus Van Pelt. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I knew that. I knew that. I, I did, yeah.
1: And then Lucy, Lucy Van Pelt.
3: Van Pelt, right, Lucy Van Pelt, right.
1: And apparently there's an older brother named Re- Rerun.
3: <laughs> rerun?
1: Hold
2: does on he do, a minute. Does, rerun.
3: Does, does, does he do an early form of breakdancing with suspenders on? And does does rerun does well, rerun yeah, so also I'm like
1: is this the connections?
3: <laughs> I don't know. Does rerun also does rerun also illegally tape Doobie Brothers concerts? I I don't I don't know.
1: It's uh their youngest brother rerun <laughs> rerun van pelt rerun van <laughs> i wow, wow, again, I just did not know they all had government names like yeah, that. no
3: i I knew that it's just been a long time. It's just been a long time. I mean, if you look at it as well the, Charlie Brown's a very weird uh comic and and uh and very sad, like the kids are like. Like the Charlie Brown thing is like kind of depressing when you watch like the Charlie Brown Christmas special. I mean special.
1: nobody nobody looks out for this poor kid. Oh no, Charlie I mean, this... Brown
3: is he he's treated like a piece of shit uh, uh yeah. by by almost especially Lucy. Lucy's a bitch. And she's the psychiatrist by the way. Like Lucy's the biggest right. She, she's the one that treats Charlie Brown poorly. She's the one that exhibits the most destructive behavior and yet people pay her a nickel to get psychiatric treatment. I've often found that a little i often found that a little weird. Yeah. Uh, I don't know.
1: Um why uh, and then some of them don't have names.
3: Uh you well, know what I mean like they don't have now, their full names in here. No. yeah, cuz what's what's the the uh what's the dirty kid's name? The kid that never bathed. Pigpen. Pigpen That's not. Now he doesn't have a full name. It's not like Pigpen Van. Uh
1: it doesn't look like it. <laughs> so
3: it's not like Pigpen Van Johnson or or nothing. He, yeah,
1: he was never given a name.
3: He, you know why he's too dirty. Probably, probably can't.
1: That poor child. I. Someone needs to look into this.
3: Oh yeah, child services needs that. We've often There's talked about that.
1: Poor, poor Pigpen. Yeah,
3: Pigpen needs to have child services come out to the house Yikes. and take a look. That's a. Uh, that's definitely.
1: I mean, nobody. He doesn't even have a name.
3: He's yeah. He's just Pigpen. <laughs> yeah. Oh
1: my goodness.
3: Yeah. Well, it's funny because like, um, but they all enjoy dancing. You know, oh, like well, the, who doesn't? Come and on. they all have that. They all have different styles of dancing. That's one of my favorite things is like whenever they would bust out into dancing.
1: Yeah. Everybody yeah.
3: had their own little, like, style of dancing.
1: Schroeder doesn't. Yeah. So he doesn't yeah. have a name either. Just Schroeder. Just Schroeder. That mm. guy, I don't know. Is that first name, last name?
3: I believe it's his last name. I believe. Okay. I think. <laughs> so, but yeah, Charlie Brown is kind of, I mean, I, when I was a kid, man, I loved peanuts. Yeah, I loved it so much, but it's so depressing. You know, as an adult, I watch it and I'm like, What the hell are you doing? What I mean, what is this?
1: Yeah, apparently, Schroeder is uh, Charlie's best friend.
3: Yes, Schroeder is Charlie's best friend, or his
1: closest friend. Right. Um, In this little Wikipedia thing, it said, He once angrily denounced Violet for giving Charlie Brown a used Valentine well after Valentine's Day had come and gone.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Now, see, that sounds normal. Like, why?
1: Why are you doing that to this poor boy?
3: That sounds normal. That's the normal kind of treatment that Charlie Brown receives on that's a daily so basis. so
1: mean. Like, why? Yeah. Why are you even giving that to him?
3: Yeah. Yeah. Charlie <laughs> and he's Brown is Charlie those... Brown.
1: It's like he don't know any better. He's just like, oh, thank you.
3: It just seems like Charlie Brown. At, at some point, you you watch all these episodes, and you read all the books, or the comics, or whatever, and you're like, this is one of these guys that's gonna go back and get a shotgun and come back to school and kill everybody. Like after the you treatment, think? That, I think that, I mean
1: he's quite the doormat.
3: Yeah, yeah. Every goddamn time she moves the football, he never learns. Though that's the thing. Yeah. It's like, dude, he she's always, gonna move the football he has, again.
1: He has such a trust in people. He does. <laughs> people, people who have have wronged him.
3: <laughs> yeah, who've completely wronged him. Yeah. Wow. Well, clearly, yeah. clearly, clearly, they need they need their their government names, their last names, because the, the the depressing world that they live in. I'm assuming that they're getting food stamps. I'm assuming that they're. You know, like they need the government programs because they're all in bad shape. Right. It's, a, it's not a healthy... It, it, this is not... The Peanuts world is not a healthy environment for children, clearly.
1: Right. I mean, yeah. child labor. Lucy yeah. being a therapist.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. Um. But, no, I, but, I, but I was obsessed with it when I was a kid. But, man, you think about it, you go, man, I mean, it's so depressing. You know? And then you got a psychotic dog who sees, you know, who... You oh, know, yeah,
1: that dog. He's yeah, just Snoopy, living in, he's living guy. a yeah. whole life yeah. <laughs> unto he, himself. He,
3: he thinks he's a fighter pilot. He's fucking crazy. Like he, you know, he, he he lives in a doghouse and thinks he's a fighter pilot. And he's got all kinds of costumes too. Snoopy, I don't know where he gets mm-hmm. the costume.
1: Where yeah, where does the, he get the money for these? That's a
3: good question. I don't know if he's got like if he's got a whole bunch of maybe he has a bunch of sloths that sew stuff for him. I don't know.
1: These sloths, man, they get around quite a
3: yeah, they get around despite they're the unsung heroes. Of- despite despite how slow they are, they get. But according to the movie, they're not very slow. Well, just the one though. Just the one. Did they there's at the least one-
1: say maybe he's like? A yeah. Well, they they, sloth? they well
3: they 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 hint at the fact that they've been he's been drugged. This sloth has been they've been given him drugs. to be faster. No, there's no explanation. <laughs> there's no explanation for it. There's like a like he's at the beginning of the movie. You see a poacher grab him from the wild. Mm-hmm. And okay. then he he sells him to uh to uh to a sorority girl. She brings the sloth back to the <laughs> sorority house.
1: I like how she thinks that's a great idea. Like yeah, yeah no I no, to no. Buy the trust sloth.
3: me, As well, we're on a whole nother level of shit with this movie. Like seriously, I mean I I had to sit through this fucking thing last night. I I, I sat in a the theater and I'm like, what am I doing with my life? At one point, I'm just like, seriously, what have I where 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 what have I accomplished in my life?
1: So then I, um, I mean, I'm sitting in a theater. Oh so, wait, yeah. So the sloth is just then like jealous. Is that what the whole... Because well, it looks like from the trailer that he's just jealous and very controlling and and kills well, the people in her life. He now
3: no we've already talked about this. Well, at the right. at, 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 actually uh, we you know in, in behind the scenes at uh, Esmeralda we actually haven't because yes. we haven't recorded that part yet. But um, <laughs> but but the people who are listening to this have already heard mm-hmm. me and Eric and Steve talk about it. Yeah. But anyway, in reality, a little behind the scenes, I taped that in about an hour. So I'm just letting you know. I'm just letting you know that now. So anyway. Um, so, no, what happens is the, the, the he has been mistreated by this poacher.
1: Uh-huh. Of course. So,
3: yes. And so the poacher brings him back from wherever, in the, you know, the, the jungles or whatever. He brings him. Mm-hmm. He gets attacked by an alligator at the beginning of the movie.
1: Oh. Then he, then
3: he kills the alligator. The alligator's oh. dead. So yeah. he kills the alligator because he's a crazy sloth, and there's no explanation for right.
1: that well no I mean they have you know they they have those claws not just for climbing right they will mess you up they so, will yeah, a, I could well see they, that. they they I mess up a lot
3: that. of I, I will tell you this he fucks up a lot of sorority girls in this movie so <laughs> so 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 the, the the poacher brings him home and then this sorority girl meets the poacher at a mall and the guy says, "Hey, I got a sloth would you like it <laughs>
1: Hey, I got a sloth. Well, I'm cutting it yeah. down a little bit. I'm
3: making it a little simplified because, you know, it's such a complicated yeah, plot. Of course. So she goes over to the fucker's house, this poacher who's been mistreating all the animals that he's poached, including of the sloth. Course. Well, yeah. And then, and then the would, sloth. Yeah.
1: The, well, the sloth
3: kills his ass. OK, so the oh, sloth.
1: Well, you know, he's been wrong. Yeah,
3: exactly. No, no, no. It makes sense. This, you know, so the sloth is like, well, you fucking, you know, he's traumatized by the poacher. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then the poacher, when he was on the phone with the God, I can't believe I'm going to this, all the detail on this, but the poachers on the phone with the sorority girl is like, I have, you have to give him this medication. It, uh, it helps him. <laughs> okay. So, so she's like, okay. So when she goes to the poacher's house, the poacher's not there, but the sloth is running loose. So she decides it's a good idea to just take the sloth anyway. And she picks up the pills off the table and takes them with, and then brings the sloth back to the sorority house. During election week, it's going to be there's a big election, right. and she's running for so, president yeah. of the sorority against the the very popular bitch uh, uh, in the sorority. Of course, yeah, and that's the conflict. It's like good girl wants to be president of sorority, bad girl wants to be president of sorority, and there's a goddamn sloth who's going to probably kill all the girls in the sorority mm. because okay. he thinks everybody is the poacher. I guess that's his motivation.
1: Well, just to, if anyone's truly frightened of sloths, yeah. Uh, they are not a threat, right to humans, right? Um, but provoked, they can be dangerous.
3: And this this guy is provoked at the beginning. <laughs> uh,
1: apparently, He's... sloth bites are nasty and can mm. can become infected easily. So just keep that in mind. Make
3: sure it. you got some plenty of Bactine. Just keep the Bactine. Right. If you got yeah, Bactine, spray, it. spray got it down. Bactine and Mercurochrome and and some aspirin. Mm-hmm. And some mm-hmm. aspirin. You're fine to own a sloth. It's no big deal. Right. Yeah. But just well, keep
1: in mind they are very sensitive apparently.
3: Okay. Well, I will they say they don't this. like
1: to be touched because of the perfumes and lotions that we wear.
3: I see. Okay. So well, they, they- <laughs> didn't, you know what? No, none of these idiots at this sorority house followed any of these fucking rules. So that's one of the reasons why. Well, of course. There was an entire murder rampage by a sloth in this in this sorority house. Mm. And and also Esmeralda, you've seen the trailer, right? Mm-hmm. The puppetry uh, in this movie is fucking horrendous. Like it's not yeah, even. Yeah, he looks
1: like, like he has a little like mullet going. He does. Like his slicked back.
3: They've hair. added that to make him look funny. So they've added like the long slicked back hair, and yeah. they they added a voice. So he goes. <laughs> he does that. Oh, does that. he? Oh, oh wow. yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. No, I mean Esmeralda, this movie is bad on biblical levels. You know what I mean? Like, this is this is really unbelievable. And it's not even funny. Like, it, 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 it doesn't realize that it's a comedy until about f- when there's 15 minutes left, and then they throw in funny stuff. Mm. The rest mm. of it is like, the rest of it is, it's not really a movie about a sloth for about the first hour.
1: Yeah. It's yeah. not
3: really a movie about a sloth. It's about uh, the, the politics between a bunch of surfacy bitches in a sorority, who want more likes and shares on on social media than they do anything else. That's what the whole movie's about. And then there happens to be a sloth. Oh. Then there's a sloth. There's <laughs> then
1: there happens to be a sloth.
3: Yeah, that's it. That's, that's it. And <laughs> oh, I, 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 all
1: right. Well. Yeah. Hmm.
3: So anyway, uh, I would not recommend seeing Slother House.
1: Hmm. And you will go more in-depth. <laughs>
3: no, we did. With, we already uh... went more in-depth.
1: Oh right, right, right. Yeah,
3: right. we already did. People already heard this. So right yeah. now, people are like, "Why the fuck are you repeating this?" Because you just said this 25 minutes because ago. Because I wasn't in the conversation. That's right. Because Esmeralda. I'm doing it for Esmeralda because Esmeralda rules. God damn it. it. So um, anyway, hey, uh, hey, remember when we had a, a magic megaphone? Uh, I guess mm-hmm. it was last last week. Yes. When, uh, did they
1: respond?
3: Well, we have a we have Jim. Our friend Jim likes to do music uh, bits yeah. with us. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know if you remember, but someone wanted me to say "Don't get me wrong." You know the song by the Pretenders. Sure. And I said, "Don't, I don't get me this. wrong." Into the into the megaphone.
1: Oh, I don't remember that.
3: Well, Jim Jim <laughs> turned it into a song. So here's, here's oh nice Jim does Jim has a lot of free time. I'm guessing. He, Jim's an old friend. Jim Laskowski, He's a movie critic. He runs, by the way, he runs a, a podcast network called uh, Now Playing. Um, now playing a uh, podcast network yeah. where he's he's got a couple nice. of podcasts and Eric Childress has a couple of podcasts there and all that stuff. He's an old friend and he likes to mess mm-hmm. around and, and he's been doing this since I was at the car wash many years ago where he would take a segment from my show and then turn it into a song. Nice. Well, he still does that. Apparently, he hasn't seen the goddamn mm-hmm. sloth movie, so he had some time to kill. So here's a, <laughs> here's here's what he did with that particular uh, magic megaphone. Here we go. Don't get me So oh the, wow! Yeah, pretty. You know,
1: between this one and the Michael McDonald one you sang, you're you're gathering yeah. up uh, enough yeah. to do an album.
3: I got an album. Yeah, it's all, it's all Jim. Jim put those together.
1: Yeah, a little compilation.
3: Yeah, yeah. So thank you to Jim Laskowski, who's a, a lovely man, by the way, a very very lovely guy.
1: Yeah. Who, this oh, by could the at way, least be a uh, single. Hey,
3: here's something else I, I can mention that I'm doing this weekend. My God, I can't believe I forgot to mention this. Speaking well, of thanks. Jim and Eric and Steve and all those guys, we will all be at a mm-hmm. wedding this weekend.
1: You completely forgot you were going to go to a wedding?
3: <laughs> yeah, I completely forgot I'm going to a wedding this weekend. <laughs> it's a big weekend. It's my oh. dad's birthday.
1: I know. I just it's, wait, wait, there's even yeah. more.
3: It's my dad's birthday. Julie and I are going to see Duran Duran tonight.
1: Right. Uh, a wedding.
3: And tomorrow there's a wedding, and uh, and Sunday is the 35th anniversary of the release. Or it's not 35th anniversary, but it's the 35th anniversary celebration of They Live, John Carpenter's They Live, and it's being shown all over the country. Ooh, so nice. we're going to see that. So I forget the so the wedding. By the way, Colin Suter is getting married.
1: Oh, good for him! Congratulations.
3: Colin and Carrie are getting married. Um, and they're getting married at the Music Box on Saturday afternoon. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah, because they're movie freaks, and Colin is mm-hmm. a film a filmmaker and a film critic, and Carrie is also a film fan, yeah. and she writes about it. And she's a critic. They have a podcast together. Oh, uh, very and nice. And they're they're getting married at the Music Box on uh, Saturday afternoon. So I will see Jim, and I will see Steve and Eric, and all those all my movie critic colleagues. Um, so yeah, it'll be fun. And they're getting married at the Music Box, which is really awesome.
1: Yeah, that is amazing.
3: Yeah, and I forgot about it. So that's how stupid I That's how much of a shithead I am, Asmirel. But you know that already. <laughs> you knew I was a shithead uh, a long time ago. Maybe. So, but anyway, yeah, so they're getting, that's, uh, I will see all these guys. we yeah, have uh, at an Col- action-packed weekend. Colin and Carrie are getting, it's Labor Day. Aren't you supposed to work hard before you, before you, I don't know what that means. Sure,
1: even. I don't know. Uh, and it's going to be 175
3: <laughs> degrees all weekend.
1: Ooh. But yeah, you'll be in a movie theater, so it'll be fine.
3: <laughs> yeah, but I'll be wearing a goddamn jacket and tie and stuff, and I can't abide by that. You know you know me. You know how, how, how crisply I dress.
1: <laughs> you should just wear your any old T-shirt. They'll understand.
3: No, they're going to punch me right in the they'll, – <laughs> they'll, they'll, they'll kick me right in the dick if I walk in there dressed like I normally dress, you know. Not going to work. So, anyway. Yeah, so, anyway, congratulations to Colin and Carrie. Congratulations. Yes, they're getting, congratulations. They're getting married. It'll be at the music box. I'm sure it'll be beautiful and uh and there you go and so have you ever seen they live esmeralda speaking of they have you ever seen
1: it? um i've seen bits and pieces i haven't seen it the whole way through
3: if you've got no plans for the weekend on sunday uh it's being shown twice and theaters across mm-hmm. the country it's the 35th anniversary rowdy roddy piper and john carpenter's they live and yeah, then they're, yeah, they're going to yeah. show it again on wednesday so it's september 3rd and the 6th nice and it is uh, uh may- maybe it is the exact thirty fifth anniversary. I know it came out in the fall of eighty eight. Um, because it was uh, during the um election. It was during the election of eighty eight mm-hmm. that it came out because they made a big deal about how one of the evil aliens looked exactly like Dan Quayle. Huh. Uh, which of course That's was fun. on purpose because Carpenter is a raging.
1: Yeah. Know. So the release date was November fourth. Oh, November.
3: Okay. Yeah. No- yeah. Of course, that makes sense. November. You're voting yeah. for one, yeah. You're gonna vote because mm-hmm. at one point it's like mm-hmm. you may vote for an alien, and they had this. They had like what looked like a Dan Quayle alien. <laughs> <'Cause> John Carpenter, <laughs> John Carpenter does not hide his political beliefs. He's a very um, yeah. He hates uh, he hates the uh, he hates conservatism. Uh, I will tell you that right now. Uh, but anyway, yeah, and the movie's fantastic. It's great. So, 35th anniversary of They Live.
1: It's like, don't look at me. I voted for Kang. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's
3: it. Yeah, there you go. God, Kang. Oh, the best.
1: Kang that's and cool. Kodos.
3: Kang and Kodos. You gotta <laughs> love that's the only. Those are the only. Uh, those are the only politicians I ever need. Right. Those, those two guys. Yeah.
1: Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton. <laughs> <laughs> Bill Clinton.
3: Yeah, that's right. Hilarious. Oh, God. Goodness. Um, hey! Oh, what of, I did watch. Oh, what you watch? What oh, I did you watch? you watch? Yes.
1: Maximum Overdrive. <laughs> Why are you watching Maximum Overdrive? It was on. It was on TV. What, Tubi, Lippy, Smacky. What's uh, it called? I believe it was Pluto. We were Pluto. watching Pluto. Okay, so Pluto. Uh, yeah, we didn't really understand th- how it worked.
3: Well, the 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 original story uh, is called Trucks. Right, Um, yes. And and it's in the Night Shift collection. It's in the book, The Night Shift. And um, Mm -hmm. the book is... The the story is a thousand times better than the movie, even though that's the only movie, by the way... no, probably. That's the only movie that Stephen King ever directed.
1: Yeah.
3: Uh, And I think there's a reason for that, because it's so bad. Um, (laughs) But I don't know if you know this or not, but Stephen King is like... He hates it. He denounces the movie. And he was... Mm -hmm. Seriously, like he's had, you know, he's had uh, alcohol uh, uh, problems in the past. He's he's um, he's a guy who's gotten sober too. But at, 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 at his most drunk is when he made when he made maximum overdrive.
1: maximum overdrive. Yeah. yeah. No, I could see it. I just I took from it that even machines are buttholes. Right. Because there's the scene where they're filling them with gas and then they're just all honking at them like go right. faster. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. slow your roll. And they're uh, they, human.
3: So, it, the only thing I remember about that movie, and the only part of the, because, okay, here are two things that I remember about that movie. I remember, well, besides thinking it was a piece of shit,
1: mm-hmm.
3: uh, ACDC did the music. I remember that. Yes. yes. Okay. And I remember liking that because ACDC rules. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I remember there's a scene on a bridge that opens up. Right, and and 8,000 cars go falling into the... Br- or something goes on. There's like a very yeah. long scene yeah. where it's nothing but destruction for like fucking yeah, the, 10 minutes. Yeah, the
1: drawbridge rolls yeah. up. Yeah, and-
3: that's what I'm saying. Because to, to me, I remember that scene went on forever. Like, there, it was like destruction, the bridge, cars, vehicles, everything is just being destroyed, and it was loud and insane, and that whole sequence went on for like 10 minutes. I remember sitting in the theater going
1: what the fuck are we what is this? well that's when they that's when they like come to to realize or whatever what do you call it their self-realization you know, there you go yes yeah so then they're just like murder <laughs>
3: i see so like what ai is gonna do very soon with us right gotcha right.
1: so that okay. that was what that is yeah yeah okay
3: so you want did, now did you watch this did you lose a bet why did you watch Mac? Mag- no, we
1: were just watching it. It's just because it's so. it was so silly. Yeah. Just to watch. I mean, at one point, they run out of gas, and the truck is, like, inching towards Emilio Estevez, like, um, pushing him. Like, hey, give me yeah. more. And we're like, we don't have anything.
3: <laughs> right. Now, you know that that truck with the goblin on it? Mm-hmm. That's been at Flashback. It's been in the room. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, it was wow. cool. That The truck is cool. The truck is badass. Yeah. And the truck looks cool. That was at Flashback. Yeah, I got a picture with one. I got a picture with that thing. Nice. Um and I mean it's gone down now like years and years later. Some people love that movie. Some people really love it. Stephen King does. I mean does yeah, it. it's
1: very it seems very campy and no, and it's got a it's yeah. got a
3: huge it's got a huge following. And shit, they showed it at the Music Box at midnight not too long ago. Mm-hmm. And it had a crowd. You know, it's got it's every movie at some point, even if it's a piece of shit, will find an audience. Yeah. Oh. And course. that one So what did you guys think? Did you have a good time watching it?
1: I mean, it was it was silly, it was just silly to watch all the trucks because at the at the towards the end, like they kind of have a essentially a temper tantrum and just when all the humans essentially escape from the the gas stop the truck stop area, yeah, and all the trucks kind of have like just a temper tantrum and blow everything up. It's like, well, you just ruined the one thing that you needed.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're dumb trucks. They're dumb. They're yeah, dumb vehicles. they
1: don't know nothing. They don't know nothing. And, it's it, like, and- and then and they only, blow up like the thing with the gas,
3: <laughs> and in the but also in if I remember correctly, don't like toasters and shit fight back too, and like yes, and don't like uh. Uh, like flat top grills flame up and shit, don't they all like everything kind of comes back, and any kind of yeah, like well, device,
1: yeah, that's where we were because um, I guess in the beginning, that's how it is, but then towards the end, it's all just trucks, right, so okay. we would I- you would have thought that maybe the other ones would have gotten in on the action towards the end but no but yeah. yes you are correct okay a, I remember, a bunch I, of it's not just mm, trucks it's not just I guess. trucks no it's no. all mechanical yeah
3: things. right and i remember i remember because i you know i've only seen that movie once it must have made an impression on me because it's like fucking 40 years old <laughs> and i've only seen well, it, it also,
1: once well also i mean it also you know it has its place in uh like other TV shows, and I'm trying to remember what it was. Where I think it was The Simpsons, where um, you know, inanimate objects like machines right. start freaking right. out and like trying to kill people. Right. It's
3: it's an, it's so, a it's a it is a it is a cliche though. Mm-hmm. Um, as old as time. A lot of people have done that. You know, like um, it's not a, it's not a new thing. I mean, you know, I mean, right. I mean you know, like that kind of shit. I mean, look at 2001, is a movie that's now going to be a documentary, considering how AI. You know how Al, how Hell yeah. you know Hal takes over the, you know takes over. Um yeah. It's a thing, that, but uh, the, the the reason why it's well, also it's become a staple in the, because I'm a horror guy. Mm-hmm. Maximum mm-hmm. Overdrive has, has become a staple in the horror community. People, yeah. Some people, some people legitimately love it, and some people think it's so bad it's fun. So it's one of those movies that get the lot. Of oh movies.
1: yeah, no, totally bad. I mean, at the end, there's that guy who st- who stops to take a giant diamond ring off of a woman who got crushed by a a window in a car
3: i don't even remember this no what so happened? she's
1: kind of just like halfway stuck in a car so i guess the car uh-huh. you know took revenge and like right. got she's stuck in the window right 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 and she's hanging out and her hands hanging out and she has the biggest diamond ring <laughs> <That's> <laughs> like hard. comically large yeah. and this guy goes and they're running off to a boat and he stops to grab the ring and then we see Behind him is the goblin truck.
3: Oh, the truck that okay. then
1: that then hits him. Uh, um, so it's then like... immediately after Emilio Estevez uh, shoots a grenade or um, a rocket at it and <laughs> kills it. So this guy essentially died for no reason. No reason like, at all. He, he did not gre- need to die
3: for being greedy. Just for exactly like, uh, for taking this woman's ring. Yep. Yep. Wow. Mm-hmm. No. Okay. All right. Well. Um, Maximum Overdrive. I didn't know we were going to go into Maximum Overdrive today, but that's uh, (laughs) and no pun intended. uh, But uh, but I'm uh, but uh, but I'm glad that that's how you watched you uh, watched some TV.
1: Maximum Overdrive. No, it was great. Okay, it was a very silly movie.
3: Yeah. No, I mean, silly is a good word.
1: Yeah. And then at the end, they're just like, and then it was fine. I don't even so
3: everything ends okay. So was it like a?
1: I guess they just, and it was they all, like it was all like, the humans are on a boat on a sailboat. Yeah. But and then they just do you know like a, a little, after the fact, and, they, and then they, on whatever it, day it was fine.
3: I see. So was it and it was like an electrical storm or some shit that caused? No,
1: it was a uh, a comet. A, okay. All right. Of course. Of course, it's a
3: comet. When when hey, when in doubt, it's a comet. Blame it on a comet. Yeah all right
1: so yeah it's a comet that yeah then something happens the aliens okay. want to take over or something they
3: want to take over and they they fuck all with toasters and trucks that's the first thing they do right cause, which is
1: it... fairly smart on their part
3: yeah <laughs> smart aliens if you want to take over the you want to take over the world fuck up the toasters and the trucks that's the first I thing mean, could you
1: could... imagine if that happened now we all have Man. phones in our pockets
3: yeah, yeah. we could yeah.
1: easily get get got by aliens there's no uh, question if about they it. they somehow made all the machines yeah. to come to life.
3: Self-aware. Yeah, self-aware. That's uh In fact, we just had the date where uh Skynet becomes self-aware in The Terminator. Mm.
1: movies. August
3: yeah. 29th. It was August 29th. Is it? Uh, yeah, August 29th is the date. If you Google that, when does Skynet become aware? It's August 29th at like 2:14 a.m. or something. According to uh the, the Terminator movies. Skynet yeah. becomes self-aware at August 29th at sometime in the in the morning. That's when. 24. When
1: they... Uh, yeah, 29th. Uh, this was in 1997, though, so we're yeah pretty.
3: We're past that, but it's August 29th. Yeah. Uh, 1997 is when the when when is when they become aware. Right. Yeah. So, but we we're past that, so we're okay.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Where it's you know. We're fine. We don't have to worry done. about
3: as long as my toaster's okay. <laughs> I don't give I I don't have a truck. So my toaster, you know, as long as my toaster doesn't fuck up my toast, I'm fine.
1: As long as my toaster doesn't try to murder me, right? And only right. makes toast, right? Exactly. And doesn't burn it, makes as it properly. As long as it
3: only makes toast, <laughs> as long as my toaster only makes toast and my sloth only serves me drinks, I'm fine. Yeah, everything we're good. is gonna be fine. We're gonna be Perfectly good. Perfectly okay. And as long as the sloths that hang out with this, guy- gentlemen. Michael Bolton don't don't kill us when we're right in, where are we going again Costa Rica where the hell are we going I gotta get my uh we're where going we? to uh I forgot where we're Hollywood. going Hollywood Hollywood LA right, right.
1: gonna be in LA at the Hollywood Bowl that's right and then right. Bulgaria
3: Bulgaria uh, and then York Pennsylvania
1: and then your yeah that's Three right whirlwind dates in whirlwind Bulgaria. Dates. Right. uh Portugal and I forget where else and then, uh, and, and, and then york and then Pennsylvania. York. okay so we'll, we'll get we'll some peppermint patties we'll eat all the peppermint patties That's
3: exactly right <laughs> that's exactly we're
1: going right. to well that's why because you said he's got the bucket of peppermint patties he, <laughs> wants, he wants to go to the thing. source
3: and that's and guarded so. by sloths guarded by his army of sloths right so michael, michael bolton now has an army of sloths uh, i don't know if you knew mm-hmm. that or not esmeralda mm-hmm. and they all wear like i mean uh,
1: I, I call them the entourage but you know army yeah. is also well
3: they all wear <laughs> camouflage and berets so it's a little difficult oh
1: wow to... it's a little that's. Hmm. It's like right? <laughs> we might need to watch this. It just see, a, feels like a coup might think, happen. <laughs> yeah,
3: that's not a good thing.
1: <laughs> With Michael Boltan Michael, at the at Michael, the head,
3: Michael Boltan and an army surrounded by an army of, of sloths in camouflage and berets carrying yeah. machine, machine guns. That's not that's not, good. that's not
1: good.
3: Yeah, it happens in you know it happens all the time. Wait till, wait till, wait till they get to York, Pennsylvania, man.
1: I mean, we might need to keep an eye out. That yeah, might be the I time. Think, I think
3: we'll have to... <laughs> might
1: be do. the day.
3: And what? And, and by the way, that day a comet might come and fuck up all the toasters, so then we're screwed. We're completely screwed. Yeah. So, I don't know.
1: Whew, we got a lot to think about.
3: Can you imagine a sloth behind the, behind the wheel of that car with the goblin on it, the truck with the goblin on it? That would be really...
1: I mean, I don't think he could reach the pedals. <laughs> I mean, they're short. They're yeah, short they animals. They're That's not very... True. I mean, they got those long arms, but I think. Well, I will the say this. Well, I will short. say
3: this. In this dumbass movie, he drives a car. The sloth drives a car.
1: Oh, well, I could see a car. Cars yeah. are a little shorter, but on a truck, you know, in a big rig.
3: Yeah, it's a little sports it seems car. Like it's. He drives us. He drives right. a, Oh a, yeah, a little, those. I'm sure car. you can drive. Yeah, that's <laughs> sure completely be- in that case. It. It's believable. Yeah, it's completely believable when the. Sloth I mean, run, yeah. When the sloth is driving, running people down in a car. That's very good. A big rig believable. seems taller right. inside. Right. A sloth driving a car is completely believable. A sloth driving well, a truck, I don't know. I can't go a, there. You
1: said a sports car, which makes sense because yeah. they're smaller.
3: Yeah. <laughs> oh Get a little
1: God. roadster? Yeah, I'm sure you yeah. can reach.
3: A sl- oh, my God. That movie is really- Oh, my God. Anyway, when it comes on Tubi, you'll watch it. It'll be fine.
1: Oh, yeah. No, yeah. So. <laughs> I'll be right on it.
3: All right. Well, we didn't get to anything we were going to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> we'll save it for next time. Uh, we've got more celebrity. Uh, <laughs> we, uh, we also have a. Uh, we have to save. We have a, a magic megaphone. We'll have to save that too. But we were having too much fun talking about slots and Maximum Overdrive. And peanuts. Oh, no, we thought we, we did the about- magic megaphone. No, we didn't. I talked about an older magic megaphone oh. from before. Oh, no, with, no, older. But don't get me wrong. This thing here. Don't get me wrong. So anyway, you know that's, but we did find out that uh, there was a rerun Van Pelt. I think that's the thing that we're going to take away from this.
1: Yeah, rerun, rerun Van Pelt.
3: That's right. That's right. I don't know if that's a
1: family name. Well,
3: yeah, I don't know where rerun comes from. I have no idea. And that he 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 likes to illegally tape Doobie Brothers concerts uh, right after he gets out of school. And the Doobie Brothers, oddly, when you listen to the Doobie Brothers in the Peanuts land, it sounds like. Wah, 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 wah. That's what it sounds like. So,
1: anyway. Apparently, that may not be his real name. FYI. <laughs> but they've never revealed any other name. It's the the Eternal... kid doesn't even know. <laughs> he apparently, he was asked once, and he goes, That's my name. I don't know that they call me. Stop. Oh, wow. Leave me alone. Jeez. I have to
3: go home and not eat. <laughs> <'Cause> my... <laughs> uh, but seriously, if you ever go back, even without this sort of weird backstory that we're providing, Esmeralda,
1: mm-hmm,
3: if you ever go back and watch any of the peanut specials, they're really fucking depressing. depressing. Yeah. They really are. I mean, and then, I don't know what it was, about, I don't know what it is that makes it so beloved by people. I mean, I love peanuts, but the shit is depressing. So, I don't know. All right. Well, this episode is dedicated to rerun Van Pelt. <laughs> Oh my god. All right. Hey, listen. You know who's on the who's uh you you got a day off uh for Labor Day, Esmeralda? Oh, boy. Because we normally tape on Mondays uh, to to yeah. you know, uh, for Tuesday, but it is for the people. Nice. Uh so Tom Appel is going to join us from Consumer Guide Automotive and we'll learn all about cars and stuff. Herb Weissbaum will join us to talk about consumer issues. It's for the people. That's our next episode. Yeah.
1: You should ask him uh what cars you think a, what a other sloth cars could do you drive? think a sloth
3: I, could drive? Honest to God. I'm Just, you dumb. know,
1: in terms of, like, the the size of the I, of the, the vehicle. Yeah, to... By
3: the way, <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm writing that down right now, and I'm going to ask Tom that question. So. Oh, man. Hey, you want to be a part of the Nick D Podcast? You can do that. Send us a voicemail anytime, 24-7 at 773-417-6948. Email us, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. Hey, you want to be a sponsor? You want to advertise with us like Brian Alaspa did with his book, Devoured? You can do that by writing us at sales at radiomisfits.com. Rate and review us on every platform. Jason Skag does all the music and the sound, Ed, and Ed Silla does everything in the world. Um, uh, so you've been listening. We'll be back uh, again on uh, Tuesday for another edition of uh, the Nick D podcast. So thanks everybody for listening.
0: The wind is right on-